0: Wow. I feel like I haven't talked to anybody in like a long, long time. Even though we had those interviews and stuff with Gordon, with uh, Phil, I I had the stuff from SHOT Show. It just feels like I haven't been on the podcast at all. I'm like, man, I'm in a weird, funky place because it's kind of like this weird Tuesday, Monday. It's Monday, but it feels weird. It almost feels like Sunday because it's a holiday. So it's, it's messing me up and... I got I got really nothing to go on, man. I there was a bunch of stuff to kind of follow up with. We had an opening for the Alaska Precision Rifle. So, uh, you know, a class. We had a corporate classes. So, one of the corporate classes got changed, so Mark opened it up to make it a normal class. And he's like, "Hey, man, we're not going to do this corporate class, so we got 16 slots available. Post it. It's sold out in like 2 days." So, we ended up filling that class immediately. So I was like, "Oh, I gotta come on to the podcast and tell everybody I got an opening for the class." And then that opening was gone before I even got to it. So there's nothing to talk about there. Sites cruising along. I actually redid the front page. People were pinging me. um I, I put a new template up. I hated I had hired a company last year, uh, a local one. I figure I'm gonna get a really good web company. I'm gonna do all this stuff. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to really put some time and effort into the front page, pay somebody some real money and and have it done. They screwed me. It's a freaking piece of crap. I hated it, but I wouldn't take it down because I paid too much money for it. Gotten a bit of a beef with them over it. And it's like they're trying to tell me this was all custom script and blah, blah, blah. And it was like a joke. And, you know, then you you get all these emails every day where people, you know, these unsolicited people are like, hey, I'm looking at the front page of your website and it's shit. We can do a better job. It's like, yeah, I know. So can I. But at the same time, it's I spent too much money on this part of it because they burned me and I don't want, you know, so I ended up getting this template that I really liked. There was a couple of them, but I ended up getting this demo template Put it up, and I started working on it. So people were pinging me like, hey, there's something wrong with the sniper side front page. There's a bunch of weird spec stuff. And it's like, yeah, I'm working on it just slow. Like, I didn't take it offline and do it. I did it live online, so I added to it, added to it, added to it. No hurry. It's the front page. Um, You know, if you look, there's a bunch of good reviews. Jim Fish and stuff puts his reviews up. Uh, optics wise, if you're into the Athlon and different things like that, uh, a lot of, you know, like, um, not high end, but it's not low, low end. It's more of like mid budget, you know, 1500 and less. He does a lot of really good reviews on those products. And so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, definitely check out the homepage and, and I redid it. It looks pretty good for now. I still got more piecemeal crap to do. Then this week, too, like we talked with Phil, I'm going to go to Rifles Only. I was going to go to the train-up, but I didn't realize the train-up was like all week. So it would have been today, tomorrow, and Wednesday or something. And that's like, ah, I couldn't invest that much time. So Wednesday, I'm going to go down in uh, the Rifles Only matches this weekend and stuff. So hopefully I can get in and talk to Jacob uh, with the interview. People were asking, I don't—it I, I, was NRL's podcast that Jacob did, Phil and I, when we were talking— we're talking about a podcast, and it was the um, the Jacobs one, and I think that was with Travis. So whatever the NRL podcast is, I don't even know what it's called. Um, that's the one that those guys were all mentioning and talking about. So there you go. If you're looking for that and you want to find it, it's the NRL podcast. Uh, again, thanks to Phil and and those guys, and what Kalen's doing with the uh, the long range. It is kind of does say long range pursuit, but it's pot, Gunworks' is podcast. Um, and it's part of, I guess, the TV show, and they just do a piece of that. But I like their podcast. I like listening to them. It's fun. It's quick, you know, and they do about the typical hour that that we all do. But, uh, again, thanks to everybody who did the interviews with us. Uh, really good feedback. Yeah, I, I get it. Sorry to Brian, this one wasn't longer. I mean, it was really, really good. And um, some people were mentioning how it went by really fast Well, we're at SHOT Show. You know what I mean? You get like X amount of time with people, and I know they had interviews lined up, and they had things going on. And so, you know, it's tough to fit everything in and not just take up way too much of people's time. If you do want a good interview, I did almost 30 minutes. I almost wish I could play it through and just let you guys put it on, but I don't think that would fly with them. I'd have to ask them, and, and it may work out. But I'd almost want to play the 6'5 guy interview I did. Um, I did an episode with 6'5 guys. I always do at SHOT Show. And so talking with um, Ed and Steve. And so if you want to listen to me kind of, you know, just going on and talking things from SHOT and, and, you know, where I see this year going Uh, You know, they'll ask me like futurist stuff, you know, hey, where are you going next? You know, with this following year. And it's like, well, hopefully things will go this way. And, you know, not everything's going to work that way. And so um, I did do that. And uh, so if you want to go six, five guys on YouTube, they'll have a whole section of their interviews from SHOT Show. I think mine has one of the more views on it. So it probably will press up to the top a little bit. But they interview companies, and they'll go and do really good in-depth. If you can't go to SHOT Show, the 6'5 guys are probably some of the best out there for you to um, to listen to or to watch, however you want to do it. And so if you want to get some background into what the companies are doing, you know where the new products are going, and all the different things that companies will talk about, uh, those are the guys. As well, John McQuay, 8541 Tactical, he does a lot. You know, it's weird. This year at SHOT, I did not see John and his wife, Sarah. That's like the first time ever we didn't run into each other and have a little back and forth. And, you know, I don't know uh, what it was, but I didn't see John McQuay at all, uh, which is, again, odd. Uh, Usually I do see him, and I know he was there and doing different stuff. But just watching his feed on Facebook, just cruising through um, the last couple days— He's doing a lot of handgun stuff. I know he went to SIG Academy and the different places, so he's kind of maybe it's just not popping on my feed because of AI and keywording and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's it's one of those weird kind of deals that it didn't um, come up that way. But uh, anyway, it, it's it's definitely good to see everybody or talk to everybody again. I, I just did a, another online training lesson. I did two actually I'm talking about people in their rifle setups, and and rifle setup is huge. I really wish with some of the classes that you could spend more time with people at 100 yards and kind of expanding on what Phil and I spoke about. And this is pretty timely, you know, because I did just upload the two videos, a lot of new members because we changed a bunch of the PX stuff. Um, On the sniper side forum, I went in and kind of was tired of the way the PX was just getting into overdrive. People were bumping the snot out of it and doing, you know, it was all about me. And the PX isn't about you, you know? So it was like, ah, me, me, me. And I'm like, no, it's not you. This is mine. This is not what it's meant. Be a contributing member or else, you know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) And it's like, do it or it's not going to happen. So anyway... (laughs) I'm, I'm. I went and pruned a ton. So then I started noticing a lot of people on the uh, site were signing up for the online training, and part of it was because I let you as an online training member get into the PX. So I'm like, okay, I got to stop this loophole. And instead of paying more money, they were paying less and doing the class, you know, the lessons, which is good. It gets more eyes on my training lessons, which I love. I mean, those kind of went through the roof in the last two weeks or so but i'm trying to strike a balance on the px for stuff so going through all that and cleaning all that up then i had to get out and the weather was like perfect so i jumped out and did two lessons and the lessons uh revolve around two areas of rifle setup one is the scope and the other is that length of pull in your stock So a lot of stock discussions, a lot of stuff going on with the MDT chassis, with the uh, XLR NVs, and then I got the JP chassis came in this week, and I took it to the range, or it actually would have been mid-last week, but I was able to take it to the range because I'm probably going to shoot rifles only with it. So moving stuff around, putting that barreled action that Fritz put together for me in the JP chassis, I have my uh, 6.547 in the MDT, and I'm like, oh, I might bring that, and and then it was like, ah, but then I got this other six, uh, six five Creed more, and I grabbed some, you know, one forty seven uh, rounds, just to, I wanted to see how the one forty sevens would do, uh, and especially with the uh way uh, Fritz put together my barreled action, so I moved, I took the barreled action out of the MDT, put it into JP, then I took the uh, LRI six five forty seven put it in the MDT and I'm, I'm kind of going around and back and forth with that stuff. So I wanted to talk rifle setup because I have to go through all this process and with Phil's conversation about length of pull and getting the rifles more into kind of the center line. Think about this angle. So I've seen people put rifle butt stocks out way by their shoulder, like more by the deltoid and out on the edge and it's kind of like a recoil sensitivity thing, but we're, and, and, and it's hard to notice, but I kind of played with it in these videos that I did, and I gave you a straight on look. I gave you like several different looks, and if you think about setting your length of pull, the, 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 the rule of thumb, the school of thought, the, you know, whatever kind of you wanna call it, was you put the butt stock in the, in the crook of your arm, in your elbow there, in that crook, right, against your bicep, right? And then you kind of hold your palm out flat is how people did it. And they would hold their palm out flat and to where the tip of your kind of middle finger is where they would put their length of pull. But we kind of changed that and we bring the rifle in a little bit closer to our center line. For me, yeah, it is on my collarbone. And in this video, I talked about the buttstock positions, the up, center, and down, you know, what they meant. And from prone to positional to standing. So when you're prone, that butt stock is up. And as you start to get off your belly and move up, you, you lower that down to the bottom for standing because you want that purchase against your shoulder pocket. And in these videos, I put where that shoulder pocket is a little bit closer to the center line because, number one, we want it to be parallel to our spine. And do recoil management right we got that situation well then on top of that we're want our head erect erect I said erect we want our head up we don't want it rolled over and when guys are off on an angle that's a way we we mentioned that your head will then roll over because you're trying to get closer to the scope you know because you're bringing that other arm up forward uh, maybe your length of pull, whatever the case may be. But a lot of people don't spend enough time on rifle setup. And as I mentioned in you know the podcast with Phil, it has to be subconscious. So much of what we do, uh, you know, is is on autopilot. Okay, it's our brain just doing it. Think about driving in your car, man. Everything I I go back to so many analogies of driving in your car. It's all about your car, 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 car right because it's subconscious we do all these different things and now i mean i'm driving the uh i got grabbed the, uh, a car and it's got all electronic stuff in it all right my my is a little older 14 so it's got you know some good features but it doesn't have the features like the new car the 19 has it has all the eyesight has all the different lane departure and all these different things the mirrors. It has the, the the radar all the way around it. You know, that's everything now, right? They all got radar. And so now you're kind of like getting information overload. The precision rifle is the same way, okay? So we, we want to kind of reduce these things down to a subconscious level. And with rifle setup, that means getting it to where the comfort, to where the controls – to where everything you're doing is on a subconscious level that you don't think about it. So that's why setting it up is so important because you don't want to hunt for any of it. You don't want to hunt for perfect eye relief. You don't want to hunt for reticle focus. You don't want to hunt for your bolt. You don't want to hunt for trigger manipulation. You want that good 90-degree trigger because when you've got that rifle in your firing hand, Everything is supporting the firing task, right? Okay, so we're we're basically just supporting that tiny, tiny little movement of the trigger press. So how all that works has to be a function of that technique, bringing it back, making sure it doesn't jump. If you if you're having still having recoil management is, issues, being straight behind the rifle, you know, getting in it straight and square and doing proper trigger control, and it's still hopping. And it's a recoil management, it might be the rifle isn't quite set up for you. And what you're doing is on a such I mean, this is tiny, guys. We're talking minutiae on a level that's, you know, microns, really. It's it's milliseconds and microns that we're dealing with here. And I've mentioned this before: milliseconds, microns. Keep those two words in your head when when I'm when I'm discussing this kind of stuff. So you, you you think you got it all right, you, you think everything's good, and you're still getting bold movement when you fire, okay? Well, there's probably something in the setup. If it's not a straight-up fundamental issue, it's probably a rifle setup issue. I, you know, a lot of discussion with bipods and things. Man, I hate these bipod discussions lately. Hate them with a passion because there's these hard-headed, not-too-smart dudes who wanna run, run out there and, and be, oh, Fuzz is like barking like a madman. So, right, so, Fuzz was, is it going? Yeah, I guess it's going now. It's counting. Anyway, Fuzz was barking. So I was like, what the heck? Somebody's probably outside for delivery or something. Who knows? Anyway, it's this milliseconds and microns and everything. So there's probably something slightly off. And part of it comes back to with the bipod stuff is the Harris, man. Oh, the Harris is good. The Harris is fine. There's nothing wrong with the Harris. Yeah, the Harris, there's there's really, there isn't, but there is. Okay? It's the lowest common denominator of a bipod. It has not changed since the first day. The original guys passed away. Nothing has changed. They're out of square. They're out of spec. When those things are out of square and out of spec the way they are, you're going to get Angles, you're gonna get movement. It's gonna knock things off because they're. I mean, some guy posted one. You know, there were there all these discussions, these bipod dilemma discussions, and guys are oh, I love my Harris, and they got them. You know, the legs are cut off. They they got the new extensions on them. They got all the latest thing. They put a podlock. You're upgrading the hell out of it. Okay, so new feet, uh, podlock, new mount because they're not using a stud anymore. So they're doing all these upgraded changes to it. But then when you put it down and you look at it, you can see it's out of spec. It's out of square. And that's going to cause some jump. But the other thing that might cause some movement and some jump is your length of pull and your different things are too long and you're hunting for stuff. And you're actually technically, in a really small microscopic way, you're out of sorts. And by being that out of sorts, It's causing the rifle to exploit it, right? Recoils like electricity. It's going to exploit the path of least resistance, and it's moving. That movement is not good, okay? That's what you're seeing when it becomes this bold move. Well, that's what we're talking about with this setup. So the first thing in the videos I did was talking about the scope, and that's really got to be the second thing you do because I did both. You can look at them in any way you want. So the first needs to be the stock, understanding the length of pull, understanding the stock, understanding the different positions. Now, prone, you can get away with a little bit longer as long as you could bring the scope back. Your eye relief's good and all that stuff. But prone, you really want it where people would look at that tip of the finger that I talked about. Go back a few minutes in time. Okay, we're doing some Dr. Strange time travel stuff. So I got the time stone here. So we're going back in time a few seconds ago. So what I just said. So anyway... It's you set that stock, you set that length of pull. And in the prone, the old school way was putting it against the bicep and then the tip of that middle finger, and you would go there. Well, now we want to create that good 90 degree trigger finger. We want to put that stock in a similar spot, but now we want to make sure we can manipulate the trigger. That's going to take like an inch, inch and a half out of your length of pull just by bending that trigger finger. That takes a ton away. Okay. Alternate positions. You want a shorter length of pull because your head is then going to be moving closer to the stock and the scope. So you want to set it up in a way that you can reach and manipulate things without throwing that elbow, shoulder up, over, around, less movement, okay? You want to be able to plant that elbow and run the bolt where if your length of pull is too long, you can't. You know what I mean? That's how you get smooth. That's how you get square. That's the whole thing is being able to run that bolt without having to jack that elbow off the ground or reach too far forward and run it with like a whole arm shoulder movement versus an isolated forearm movement. That's what we're talking about. So that's number one is you get that stock set up. You understand the different positions of a stock, why you you want it where you want it hey, what's your number one position you're going to use? Are you a prone guy? Are you a bench guy? Are you a competition guy that's going to plan on a lot of alternate positions? So you want to look at those things. And then that is going to dictate where your scope then goes based on eye relief. Shorter length of pull is going to bring the scope back. In fact, I'm actually looking. I I did that JP chassis. I I did it short. I did it the kind of how I wanted to because the JP actually has almost an inch a full inch shorter base length of pull than like the MDT. It's one of the reasons I'm not shooting the MDT this weekend, and I'm shooting the JP because it had the shorter length of pull. So I'm doing that now. When I go here and do the video with the MDT, because I got both of them, the Oryx That way I talked about the cheap low-end one, and then the AAC or the ACC, which is here with all the weight system, so I can do it both ways, weights, no weights. But then, like I said, the JP was almost a full inch shorter length of pull. So now I'm looking at that and setting the scope up. And I actually, with the spur, I I moved the um, zero compromise off of that KDEX because the KDEX had a 20 millimeter rail, or yeah, uh, 20 MOA rail, millimeter, 20 MOA rail. And then I put the uh, zero compromise on it. And I used my Heinzolt spur for the 36-millimeter main tube. Well, that Heinzolt spur mount I had had 55 MOA of camp built in. So I got 75 minutes of camp built into my mount. And I'm like, no, nah, this ain't going to fly. So I stop at mile high. I grab a 0 MOA, and, and I'm setting all that up and putting it all together. And I'm actually looking at it. I can suffer a cantilever mount spur, and they make a 36 cantilever on this JP chassis because I'm just off the end. And it's a short, the the Bighorn uh, uh, rail doesn't extend out. So the rail that I have on the Bighorn action that I'm using does not go out farther, which is in a good way because then the handguard might get in the way and you have that little cut. But, you know, like a badger rail goes about an, three quarters of an inch past the action, you know what I mean? Out front. So the spur would have been fine there, but because of the way the bighorn is set up right now, I actually can go with a cantilever. So something for me to look at after this weekend, you know, when I when I go shoot. But setting that up, I want to make you want to make sure you're on max power and you want to balance where you put the rings. If I wasn't using a spur mount, and in this video I, I put badgers up, to show you, I want to be able to move a scope forward or back. So a lot of times with the individual ring set, you'll, you'll I'll put the scope in the rings. I'll have like a really loose but you know dragging tight fit to it, and then I'm gonna move the scope forward and back in the ring a little bit. I want to keep it as centered up and in, in, in central in those and in, in between the saddles there where. The mounting goes for the rings you got the you got the turrets and the saddle in the middle and then you got your mounting places in the front and back well I don't want to bury them on either side so I'm trying to get them centered up but I still got to play with eye relief a little bit so I always want an individual ring sets to have the movement to move the ring either forward one pick or back one pick okay from my initial setup because I may change, things will move, wear clothes, adaptability, whatever the case may be, I want that freedom to move it. Uh, As with like a car, I may set my car up as soon as I get it and say, okay, mirror here, mirror here, seats here. Well then, as I drive it, I'll get more comfortable behind it, I'll fall into the seat a little bit, start wearing that little wear spot in the seat where I always sit. Then I might bring the mirrors in. I might change something just ever so slightly, okay? So that's the same freedom that I want with my rings. Now, on a spur mount, there's not a whole lot of where I could put it, but I'm still setting it up to the flat, and then I'm making sure my eye relief is good. I got a little bit of movement, but not a lot, okay? I can slide it forward and back a a, a bit, but not as much as that smaller individual ring where I, I get a little, you know, a lot more movement within the system. So the two videos that I did address that rifle setup. And, and you know, again, it goes back to my sleep test I talked about. I want to get in behind the rifle. I want to be able to manipulate the controls. And I'm checking all of this without a scope. Okay, how does it fit? How does it feel without the scope? Then I want to bring the scope on to me and make those adjustments and go through the exact process all over again with the scope, and it takes longer. I mean, this is, it's not, setting up the rifle takes me a little bit of time. Even though I do it a gazillion times, I'm still going through, I still make sure I torque everything properly. Like, I think I'm half-assing it because I'm doing it quick, but I'm really not. I'm really kind of going through the process just quick because I know where I'm gonna be, and and I kind of have areas memorized, roughly where do I need it, and then it just becomes a fine-tuned process. So that's, that's what I, I'm, I'm looking at. So I put up those two videos in the online training, talk about rifle setup, which goes in direct conjunction to what Phil and I were talking about and what he was talking about with that length of pull and where stocks should be. Because right now stocks are just a little bit too long. They need to be a tick shorter and then give us that adjustability. I would much rather have shorter stocks with like that uh 360 wheel that we were talking about the Gunworks wheel the AI wheel I want that adjustability in the back as well so if we if if stockmakers started looking at this from a marksmanship standpoint I should have that adjustability we got the cheek figured out but now we got to get the back figured out I need more people to do that back and to give me that up down left right you know, angles so I could put it in my shoulder pocket in a much more comfortable way. And then from there, that'll allow me to make the extension part where if I have to extend it, put spacer systems in or do whatever I have to do, I can then build up from there. But the first thing is exactly what Phil was talking about is that stock manufacturers, chassis manufacturers need to make those shorter from the beginning. So when we start adding these extra marksmanship-related pieces to it, that 360 wheel, it doesn't push it out too long for small frame shooters, as he worded it. You know, we're we're seeing more and more, and this was like my pro with the with the uh, Magpul Pro 700, because it had these marksmanship features. The pistol grip moved forward and back. You had a 16 style or a straight style you could choose from. The MDT has the grip now moving forward and back. MDT just has to shorten that stock up a little bit, which my understanding, they sent a note to me, they are going to do. So we know we're going to be shorter there. We, we know we got the grip movement happening. And so we're starting to see these lower end stocks give us that adjustability give us that better fit and the mcmillan with the shorter one manners with all his and those little tiny ones for the 22 stuff so we're seeing it start to take hold it's just moving really really slow so that's kind of where we're at with that and those were the videos that i Ooh, excuse me had a burp those were the videos that i put out uh this week or, or last weekend I figured, like I said, today feels like Friday or Sunday. If it doesn't feel like, it, I don't know, it's just a weird month. It's a manic Monday. I don't know what the hell kind of day today is. It just feels weird, you know? We got up, shoveled snow, like most of us probably did. It's 12 degrees outside. It's like, ah, oh, man, this sucks. But anyway, the snow was cold. It was light. It wasn't much, two, three inches. It was easy. But anyway, that's that's where that's going with that. But, um, yeah, so we put that up. So the training videos are going. We're, we're, we're talking with that. I want to thank the guys who are listening. There's a lot of guys overseas, man, military dudes and stuff calling Mike. Mike's the easy way to find you, I guess. You know, uh, what is it? The 303 all the nines, to get mile high. But what's happening is guys are hearing the podcast. Guys are out there, you know, our war fighters on the front lines and stuff. They're listening to this stuff, and it's resonating. And I appreciate the guys that are calling, the guys that are commenting, the ones that are emailing and saying, "Hey, this is going on," and in that, you know, they're they're resonating with these lessons, with these knowledge bombs that we're dropping. Man, it's it's just like you know Strata Fortress or whatever, just dropping bombs, man. And and they're they're reaching out, and they're saying, "Hey, I took this class," and. I didn't come away with what I should have. Then I listened to you guys on the podcast, and man, it just clicked. And it's like, yeah, because we simplify it. I'm not trying to just, I mean, even in the case of like, you know, I'm talking on the radio here or on the, you know, whatever you want to call it, on the podcast, on the phone, it's on our phones, you know what I mean, through your car. To me, it sounds like the radio. But anyway, I'm talking here and trying to fill up time, but at the same time, we're getting to the point. We're not just saying things or throwing 10 different things at you and saying, hopefully, one of these will stick, you know, because what people are doing is they'll take, you know, go back to 1978. 1978 is kind of like that crossroads of modern precision rifle. Then you go to 2001 with 9-11 and what happened in there, and then there was like some 2011 things changed again, and, and yet, you know, they're changing a lot. Since 9-11, like I said, it changes, you know, weekly. Where back in the day, it didn't. You know, we had the World War I stuff, then the World War II stuff. Via, or Korea kind of got jumped over and just used World War II. And then we got to Vietnam and it changed again. Then everybody looked at Vietnam and said, okay, 1978, they started redoing everything. That's when they came out with, like, the new Marine Corps rifle, the inertal scope and all those different things. Mill dots, Every you know, 78 was kind of like a year of thought. Well, it didn't change much from 78 to 2001, and now it's changing like crazy. So, you know, we want to kind of clear up some of that, and we've already been through those mistakes, or not so much mistakes. We've already progressed past that point. But what happens now is you get a guy who's got access to the data from 78, and especially now with TMs, and, you know, they go to Amazon, and they buy a 94, an 89, a 92, you know, they're buying manuals from the military for like 10 bucks. And and so they they flip through them or plaster's ultimate sniper, which is like the total 1978 action. You know, I don't think anything in his book is out of 19, you know, beyond 1978. And so they, they'll take that data and they throw all of it at you. It's like, boom, you know, and this is the thing that like I was talking with Phil when he was asking me about other instructors out there. It's like, well, you get guys out there who have access to property, who have means, who have some dollars, who shoot a lot and do what they do. But what they end up doing is, you know, number one, they just let you shoot and all they really care about is the hit. And we were talking about, you know, they're guiding you on to target. And then once you're on that target, it's like, okay, just do that thing again. But you're really not learning anything. You know what I mean? Because, like, you're letting them, like, call for you and do everything. And I get it. I do it for people, too. I'm, I'm calling on the first day, and then we're trying to wean you off of our calls and make you make the decisions and stuff like that. But it still happens. So it's throw everything, throw everything, throw everything. Something's going to stick with you. And it might be something old. It might be something new. But I'm not a fan of those guys who do that, who just t- throw the kitchen sink at you and you know let you pick something out. And it's like ah, I already made that mistake, man. I already did that. that. Don't 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 go down that road. Come this way, you know. Here's the shortcut you want. You gotta take friggin' this street, not that street, you know. Oh no no, don't go down. Don't go down Sheridan, man. No, you want to cut over at Tennyson, that kind of thing, and and you know, get you in the same spot. But that's that's what it comes down to. How to avoid that traffic light, which is gonna take you two turns on a left, or go over here and take your left, and it'll happen once. That's all we're looking at. Yeah, you can go up to that intersection. Light's going to turn green. You're going to miss it. Then it's going to go red. Then you're going to wait. And then it's going to go green again. And then you can go. Or you can forget that. Go straight. Go to the next light. And then turn because that one has a signal for you. And you'll get there quicker. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give you the information that has been pre-vetted. And we know you can go online. We know you can find all of this. I mean, nothing we're saying is new, really. Nobody is. There's nobody coming out with, like, this new thing. And You know, it's just, you know, new twists on old ideas. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to get you to the goal quicker without you having to do the trial and error. I mean, same thing with the win. You know, it used to be that the answer was... And the wind is the big one for everybody. They're going back to the the episodes. I I need to memorize the wind episodes. I get asked all the time. It's like, what episode's this wind? I'm like, I don't know, 70, 80, I don't know. I got to go back and look. But anyway, we're, 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 we're just, you know, with the wind, it used to be the answer was how do I learn to shoot in the wind? Go buy a case of ammo, go out on a windy day, and shoot a target in the wind. A lot of trial and error. What you take away is really how well you can record and analyze what you did. So if you're just out there just throwing rounds until you hit and then say, yeah, I hit. It was this. Okay. Well, that really doesn't help you. But if you say, hey, using this bullet, use this mile an hour gun, go do this, go do that. Now put it all together. You have valid data. You have a way of getting to the next level on your own in a logical, educated way. And it's not, go buy another case of ammo, go keep shooting in the wind until you got it sorted out, and even then, you're going to buy another case of ammo and keep shooting in the wind until you got it sorted out. Or I could say, take this box of ammo, go out there, and use this information, determine what the wind speed is and the direction, then put this on the gun and shoot and see what happens. And now you have data, you have information that works for you. Okay, I'm not a five-mile-an-hour gun. I'm a four-mile-an-hour gun because I got a short barrel. I'm shooting a caliber, and my muzzle velocity is 150 feet per second, less than everybody else is doing. So my miles per hour is not the BC on the box. It's a little slower. Now you know, but you understand the process now. So the next time you go out, you got a starting point right from the beginning, and it's not, where do I go today? It's not that. So – that's part of that with when you talk about what instructors do I go to? Well, can they present the information in a way that you can take something back from that, that you can repeat it? Because often I'll hear about guys that go to classes and, you know, it'll work there because the range is set up to succeed based on their lesson. So the the lesson is built into the range or the range is is – has now dictated the lesson. Well, when you leave that scenario and when you leave that location, can you do the same thing you did there on your own now? And a lot of times you hear the answer is no. And it's like, oh, shoot, that sucks. You know, so that's what we're trying to get you to, to be able to walk away with the tools necessary to figure it out successfully on your own. Got it? Cool, man. So I, I went through all that, went through the lessons, went through the site. The PX stuff, like I said, it's still kind of a little bit of a work in progress. If you're if you're on Sniper's Hide and you're using the PX, I just booted. I got to tell you this, man. It made me sick. So here's going to be a little bit of a rant. So we had a lot of people who are businesses, but according to them, they're not a business. Okay, They got FFLs. They got wholesale accounts. They got the whole – I booted so many of them off. These guys had anywhere from 150 to 500 posts alone in the PX. And it's like, hey, man, you're a power user. You got accounts. You got this. You got that. You got to be a commercial sponsor because now you're competing with commercial people. I'm not. I'm just this is all mine. These are all private. Everyone to a man selling hundreds of stuff, you know, like hundreds of posts. Oh, it's, it's my personal stuff. Everybody's it's all personal it's like, come on, dude. You know what? If you're going to play that game, you're out. And I ended up pruning a lot of those guys. I, I killed a ton of it because it's just not fair, man. And it's like you're out there power using the site. You're out there selling like it's your private pawn shop. And you got zero, like, There's no, it's nothing. It's just like, nah, man, I'm just in not one of them. It wasn't until I said, okay, you're done, like two of them, came back to me, like, after I was like, hey, man, it's this to do this, this to do that. They said, okay, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be a commercial sponsor. That's not me. You know, they had, they had like five excuses ready to come out. It's like, I'm not going to be that guy. All right, dude, then you got to go. Oh, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What's it cost me? And it's like, mm, no, sorry, that ship sailed. You're out. And, 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 and that's one of the things people don't like, man. Is It's like, not just on my side, don't like that I say no to you, that those guys don't like that, but my members don't like that you're abusing the system. And then when you get confronted by it, you you, you got all these excuses and, and it's like, okay, you got to contribute. No, I ain't contributing. Okay, but then you're gone. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Because you know why? They're making a ton of money. They're selling crap every week on there and in, in making bank and then, you, you know, when you when you say, hey, you got to put your hand in your pocket. No, I'm done. And then it's like, okay, well, you can't do that no more. Whoa, whoa, wait. Whoa, what's, what's the cost? How much is it now? Well, for you, nothing. Because that ship just sailed. And it's gone. <laughs> Fuzz is getting anxious, man. What's up, Fuzz? Yeah, we're almost done. So, anyway... I just wanted to make sure fill this guy's into you up. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being part of the everyday sniper. If you want to go check out the homepage and some of the work I'm doing on it, yeah, there's holes in it, but you can give me some feedback in the comment section. You could tell me, you know, what you like, what you don't like, where something might be. I need to come up with like boilerplate text. I was getting tired. I was just kind of repeating myself a bunch. So if you see a bunch of repeated boilerplate I just, my brain, like I said, my brain's out of sorts. It feels like I haven't spoke to anybody. It feels like I haven't talked shooting. I haven't done anything, even though I, I have. It's just a weird travel, you know, back east, not doing it, coming from shot, letting those interviews kind of play out where I had a stack of stuff ahead of, you know, ahead of time. It felt like I wasn't part of it. it it's just a strange little kind of deal with me, but, yeah, it is what it is, so... Thank you. If you got any feedback, I'll, like I said, I'm going to be cruising down. I got to shoot that match. I got to shoot a match. I got to shoot a match. I feel like I saw a bunch of guys who, you know, it, 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 it's 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 funny. I'm, I'm, I'm going to rant a little bit. As I said, I'm going to avoid the ego thing, but I just think it's hysterical. And I plan on doing this too because I just think it's dumb and funny. It's like everybody, I shot a match. I shot a match. I shot a match. It's like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Good for you. You went down and shot a match because they just had the one in Arizona or something. Um, I think it was Arizona this weekend. So a bunch of people traveled down there and shot their first match of the season. But it's like all these guys were like, oh, I shot a match. Oh, I shot a match. Oh, I sh- Oh, look, everybody. Look at me. Look at me. I'm shooting a match. Ooh, look at me. It's like, who cares, dude? You know what I mean? Good for you. You went out and shot a match, you know? Oh, let's have a play by play. I'm going to do it just because it's going to be funny and silly. I mean, I, I should probably do the play-by-play while I'm at every stage. Maybe I'll take my phone with me and put the lavalier on it. And after every stage, I'll do like a little recording and splice it all together and and make a um a play-by-play so I could do a look at me, I shot a match. Oh look, I did. I went out and did it. Oh, no, and then then I shot it, and I shot, and I missed this one, and then, oh, wait, but I missed it, and I didn't do good, but then I did good yesterday. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, you quiet. He's laughing at me making fun. You're making silly The fuzz, the fuzz, the fuzz is saying, stop making fun of people. He hates it when I make fun of people. Crazy. There he is. All right, guys, let me go. He's getting anxious. He probably needs to go out or whatever. All right, thanks for listening to The Everyday Sniper. We'll be filling you in this week. Maybe I'll do a travel down one, two episode while I'm traveling. If I get a cool little stretch of land, I'll do it. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Later.